This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Tour. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal, I say the Arsenal Transfer Show. I'm so used to saying that every single morning, but this is the Raw Reaction Show joining you, not at 8am as we usually would. I couldn't contain myself. I had to get on and do a show this evening and to be joined, of course, by some fellow Arsenal fans to talk about what was a brilliant performance uh, from everybody involved. I'm very happy to be joined by three fantastic faces. I've just realised that why my audio might not be the best because I've not actually got my microphone plugged in i'll sort that out shortly um but uh first of all thank you to everybody that's joining us live in the chat box first things first leo diaz thank you so much uh for the kind donation for those that don't know leo uh is of course the partner of our beloved Vinny, uh, and so thank you so much for sending in uh, that i really appreciate it i'm sure Vinny would have absolutely adored what we witnessed today um so yes indeed and hopefully fingers crossed we're going to get an update on Vinny's plaque going up at the Emirates soon. I'm going to chase that one up uh, in this week, actually. Fingers crossed. But uh, yes, much love to you, Vinny, wherever you are, my friend. Um, let's move into our guests for the evening. First of all, joining us all the way from Chicago, it's John. How you doing, my good friend? Are you good? You well? Yeah, doing really well. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me on. It's good to be back. And uh, man, in, in, great, in a great circumstance, too. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> That was, yeah, so uh, yeah, we'll get into it, but man, I'm just like I'm still buzzing. It was what a performance that was. <laughs> yeah, we all are. We all are buzzing, mate. It's been an absolutely fantastic day uh, to be an Arsenal fan, that's for sure. Uh, we're also joined by Albert. How you doing, my good friend? You good? You well? All right, Tom. I'm, I'm very well. I've ate well. I watched some good football on the television. Uh, clean sheet. So it's it's going well, Tom. It's going very very well. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, very well indeed. It could not have gone any better, really, for us as, as fixtures in this particular fashion go. Yes. Uh, and we can all be very thankful for that indeed. I'm looking forward to getting some of your thoughts in a bit uh, and making his debut, a long-awaited debut on the Guna Talk. It's my good friend and colleague, Bailey Keogh. How are you doing, Bailey? You good, Joel? 
Yeah, I'm good, CC. Long-awaited debut indeed. And what a what a time to come on. The perfect, perfect time, actually. The perfect result, the perfect Sunday. So, yeah, thank you for inviting me on the perfect day. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. It is, uh, yeah, it's an absolute pleasure to have on the show and see your pretty face once again on my screen. It's always good. Um, but, uh, yeah, of course, uh, Arsenal defeated uh, those lot down the road. The Spuds, 2-0 uh, in the North London derby. Being the raw reaction show, that's where we start. Bailey, I'm going to start with you and go in reverse order. Give me your raw reactions to today's result. Oh, it's a statement win. It's a statement win. I think not winning away from home to Spurs in, in in almost 10 years was a worry. But I think today, tonight, would you like to say, just it epitomised again the a new mentality that Arteta has installed in us and how we are different compared to previous seasons. I think it really was the perfect result. A clean sheet away from home, a dominant performance as well. It wasn't by luck, of course. Tottenham had their, had their spell at the start of the second half. But after that, we looked comfortable. I think that was a... That was the first North London derby I can remember away from home in a while where I've just sat back and thought, I actually feel comfortable uh, watching this game. And it is a special, special feeling. Mm. It really is unrivaled uh, when it comes to beating them lot. Like it's, it's something you can't quite put your finger on how it feels and words don't really do it justice. It's very personal to every Arsenal fan how they feel after a derby win. But this one which we've waited for, Albert, for nine years uh, to win in the league at Spurs. It's been long awaited and, to be honest, frankly, quite embarrassing that it's taken that long to pull it off. But what are your raw reactions to today's result? Oh, Tom, where do I start? Um, my first message, obviously, I get on well with a lot of YouTubers that are not Arsenal fans, Tom. So I've got a YouTube top my wife who's in the car right now, driving back to Portsmouth from the game and, you know, left her a nice little voice message that she'll listen to. She stopped driving, but Tom, you know what it is? Um, I've always moaned about this with Arsenal. Uh, it's no divine right to win big games of football, but I want to see us go away from home and beat these teams now. Um, we need to start making statements, and I, I call it a window of opportunity. And what I mean by that is within the game today, particularly when it was 1 0, um, the, the, the window of opportunity was there to get that second. Thinking you've got to get the second goal and really, really hammer home the advantage. And they took that window of opportunity getting a fantastic second goal. But um, yeah, you mentioned about the record. It's been too long. Um, I got sick and tired of going to the, these, you know, these away games and not competing and losing quite easily, if I'm being honest. Um, mm. But I think especially with what happened last season there. Um, and like I said, our record going to Tottenham is not fantastic, but... I went there confident. Um, I actually went for a draw, Tom, believe it or not. But, yeah. you know, Arsenal's... Oh, I know a lot of people that did. Yeah. Arsenal's away form, I think probably, Tom, you can correct me, like in all six metrics there where we ranked first, you know, clean sheets, mm -hmm. wins, points. Um, to go there, not to just to win, Tom. That first half was impeccable. And I went... Obviously, I went Arsenal to stuff Tottenham anyway, but hmm. I listened to that flaming Jamie Redknapp before the game. <laughs> <laughs> and I up even more. I thought, you know what? Yeah, you're ex-Tottenham, but you're talking rubbish. So I'm glad that performance they put in, particularly in the first half, rubber stamped that game. And listen, it, it's it, it's a, a massive opportunity taken today. 
Yeah, absolutely it is. Uh, Craig in the chat says, what an effing win. Uh, London is red. Eight points clear. Love seeing an American gooner on the podcast as well. John, let's get your thoughts. Um, <laughs> it's, as I said before, it's difficult to always describe the feelings after a win because they are so personal and, and words don't often do them justice. But, but what are your reactions to that 2-0 victory? I mean, so I we haven't won at White Hart Lane since... I've been coming on your podcast and since wow. I started. So we're talking back 2015, six, like. So like you're taking full responsibility mine. then? Is that so, what you're... No, no, no. Not since I've been last <laughs> been on the podcast, but since I've started, since I started doing everything, I remember, you know, every time I did a podcast, like back in the day, like mm. it's oh, what, oh, almost 10 years ago now, um, mm. I would, I remember saying, this will be the time that we win at White Hart Lane in the league. And we never did. And coming on here, yeah. we never did. And, uh, you know, even going over to London and watching the games there, I, I tried to go to as many North London derbies as I could. And we never won uh, at White Hart Lane. It's it just, look, it, it's it's unreal. It's unreal. The, the fact that when we not only just beat them twice in the season, but we did it in such a way that puts us eight points clear, that, that we're playing better football than anyone in the league right now. We have a manager that everyone's behind. We have a team that everyone's behind. So it's not just this win, right? Because it's a long season and we have a lot to go on and we have a lot to go in the season until, until it's over, but mm. you can only, play, they say it again and again, and again, they got to be modest. They got to take it game by game. They can only play the team in front of them. And I'll say right now, I wish we could play that Tottenham team every week. All right. Because we, we kept hearing all this crap about how, Oh, they're this second half team. And to an extent that's true. So I was a little nervous even after the second goal went in, I was going, okay, yeah, but what are they going to do in the second half? Because we know this Tottenham team can come back and actually put in a performance in the second half. And you never really know what you're going to get. Either you'll get like a good first half performance for them or a good second half performance. And they came out and they did kind of challenge us a little bit, but only in, only in respect to comparative to the way they were in the first half. So mm. there was never really a chance where, you know, they were dominating any point of the game. There were some dangerous moments. I thought Ramsdale had an amazing game today. I said he was my man of the match. So it was good to see him on, on the American broadcast get the man of the match as well. So, mm. I mean, and Zinchenko, man, what a player that guy is. Like, he's he, it's another level. He made a couple of mistakes, fair, but the way that he can kind of dictate our play and, and keep possession for us is unbelievable. And, and, I mean, I just can go through the list. Thomas Partey, I mean... The guy's a beast. He's an absolute mm -hmm. beast. And, and you know, it's one of those things where you you heard that El Nenny got injured before the game, like warming up. And you're wondering, like, you, you we're looking forward and saying this could be an immense moment for us. But at the same time, and I'm guessing we'll get to this later, you know, you're looking at that middle of the pitch and you're going, what happens I, 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 anyway, we'll cross the bridge when we get to it. But I'm sure we're going to talk to you later. <laughs> you asked it and the floodgates are open. So here we are. But yeah, no, absolutely. Um, fingers crossed. So we don't have to deal with that because, yeah, El Nenny getting injured was a bit of a reality check, I think, because it made you realize how thin we can be uh, in the squad. Matt Smith coming into the team. We absolutely know that we need to strengthen in that area between now and, and when the window closes. Fingers crossed we can do that because I don't think Lakonga is, is the answer uh, anymore in that role. Uh, Let's let's get into some specifics from the game. Uh, of course, that the first goal um, comes from a, a Uris own goal. It creates Bailey a, a good dynamic to discuss kind of the parallels between the two goalkeepers. I think in the game, it was funny because obviously doing the, the combined elevens at FL, 
both are good friends, uh, Lee Wilmot and, and uh, Alistair Gold going with Lloris uh, on the Spurs side in their combined 11s. What? He's had some very good displays. He's had some very bad displays. And Ramsdale's been pretty consistent this season. He's not been like, I wouldn't say Ramsdale's been outstanding this season. I think that because of, of course, who's in front of him, he's been very well protected. And that's obviously not meant that he's not had to be in the games as much, which is, you know, a, a dream for a goalkeeper, really. But in this game in particular, I think probably had his best game of the season and was, was fabulous. Yeah, I think you said it there. I think it epitomised the winner and the loser, the two goalkeepers. Lloris, on the other hand, was, was absolutely diabolical. But Ramsdale was as short as you were like. I think it was the perfect goalkeeping performance. I'd, it's it's uh, You have to praise the defence when the goalkeeper doesn't have to make amazing saves. But when he gets the ball and he can catch it, he doesn't fluff it if a ball comes in from a corner. I think that epitomises what you want from your from your goalkeeper. And that's what, exactly what Ramsdale did do today. I think the first goal really did make Arsenal comfortable. I think there were times where Tottenham did ca- uh, catch us on the counter-attack. And I think that did worry us. But the first goal really helped us helped us to settle in. And from there, we only went and got better. So mm. the goalkeepers played a major part. And Ramsdale, just like he was a man of the match on the American broadcast, our Sky Sports also gave him man of the match. I know Gary Neville was very reluctant to give an Arsenal player man of the match, but he had no choice to give... <laughs> Aaron Ramsdale, uh, man of the match after after his commentary uh, uh, this evening. But yeah, Ramsdale was absolutely sensational. And just on the first goal, I'd like to shout out also Thomas Party. I think that pass, I think it was towards Harry oh, yeah, Sack, was, was second to none. It opened the Tottenham defence, who actually set, but that was such a good pass that it completely. Uh, he passed to Saka as well before yeah. the Erdegaard goal yeah, as well, didn't he? Yeah. As well, yeah. He, he like so, won the ball and passed. It was so yeah. good. <laughs> sensational. Absolutely. And just Bailey again on Ramsdale, you know. And we'll talk about the, the, the controversy at the end in, in a separate part. But, you know, he, he obviously, obviously is, is kind of vilified sometimes for his actions. There's a brilliant photo, if you haven't seen it, of him looking down at Sessignon after he saves his shot and celebrates. If you've not seen that photo, you need to find it because it's great. But, I mean, I think that type of thing, I mean, you look at Emi Martinez for Argentina, of course, he winds people up and his, his Arsenal history winds Arsenal fans up. But... I kind of like having a player with personality. I think it's something to look to. Absolutely. It reminds me of Jens Lehmann when we when we went Invincible. Invincible, mm. sorry. He was the same. He was a very uh, charismatic player on the pitch. He was a goal. Goalkeepers need to be a bit crazy. And I think Ramsdale has that element uh, to his game. And it's good to do it when you're winning, of course. I think if mm. you're on the downside and you're not winning or you're chasing something, I don't think you have a right to do it. I, won't see, I, don't, I don't think we'll see Martinez doing too much of that for Aston Villa because, of course, they're not in the greatest position. But when you're top of the league, you know you're going to win the game. I think you should do it. I think it, it proves, once again, you're superior to the opposition team. And it shows how much of a good performance you have. And as I said, competitiveness only makes your team better. And we've, we've seen it before. Jens Lehmann and Wyatt Wash and Ramsdale not live through shadow and, and bring it forward again. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to seeing what ultimately Ramsdale can do between now and the end of the season because, as I've mentioned, he's kind of gone under the radar a bit because of how good the players in front of him have been so far. There's also, on Zinchenko in particular, Sam Dean did a really good piece for the AE Telegraph, if you've been able to read it, on kind of his uh, his journey at the club. And one of the things that he points out in that article was actually how better we are defensively when he's in the team, which is, I think, on the surface, you would think the opposite because he's more influential going forwards and you think that leaves us a little bit more vulnerable in behind but actually the structure of the team with him in there is really solid and that actually helps us out defense I thought he actually dealt with with Kulisevsky really really well during the game go on John he had four uh he won 100 of his aerial duels today um, wow away from home against he's only three foot two <laughs> right so yeah just, yeah apparently you can't defend either if you, if you listen to so um but uh it's, it's part it's partly that he can actually like we keep possession right so 
um, that it's hard for teams to actually get at us because we have the ball so much. But even when we do, you know, I, I think that there's some there's some interesting kind of tension between Karen Tierney and Zinchenko. But I don't mm. think that the defensive side that we get from Karantini is so much better than Zinchenko. And I know some people might disagree with that, but, you know, there's certain games when yeah. he turns up, he's just underrated defensively, I think. I think individually, Tierney's probably a better defensive player yes. than Tierney. Right. But, like, the impact on the team, I think, makes Arsenal more solid defensively having Zinchenko in there. Ironically, just because of the way that Arteta wants to play suits having that piece of the puzzle in there. So right. I think that's probably the way to look at it. Tierney is, as I say, one to watch for the summer. He really could genuinely be off. Um, he won't want to be sitting on the bench continuously. But that is the way it goes if you want to be in a table-topping side. Albert, uh, in terms of the, the other key star performer and, and the scorer of the second goal, Martin Odegaard, winner of the Player of the Month for November and December, Another goal. I think that now takes him clear as our top scorer with eight, I want to say, this season, uh, which I think is more than he scored last season for the whole of the last season across all competitions. He has just taken his game to that next level. And the big question around Odegaard has often been that sometimes he goes a bit missing in games. That's the, the criticism that's been faced. The Newcastle game, you know, the last Premier League game we had, people suggested that he had gone a bit missing despite being one of our best players. So... I look at him now and think this was a game where he had an opportunity to show everybody that he can turn up in the biggest of games, and he did that. What did you make of his performance? Oh, Tom, Captain Erdegaard. How can we wax lyrical? You know, with 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 um with Martin Erdegaard, like for me personally speaking, um, I, I was always of the view it's not about his talent. His talent to me, his talent's undoubted. If you watch him and he's the way mm. he takes the ball and maneuvers it and find space and gets on the half turn. He's, he's, a, he's a beautiful player to watch technically. Um, but I think for me, I think for me, it was a case of there were games away from the Emirates where I don't think he made much of an imprint. Now, people might say, well, team set up different when we, when, you know, to to nullify the the, the key players of Arsenal. That, that's, that's a fine argument. But if you should go to man, the man that's meant to be the creator, he needs to come to the forefront a bit more. And one of the biggest things for me, Tom, is for me with him is he gets himself into such brilliant positions, not to necessarily lay it off or to play that intricate pass, which he can do, by the way. Mm. But have a shot at goal, Martin. Captain Erdogan, have a shot at goal, please, because you get yourself into brilliant positions and away from home, particularly as well. He plays well at home at the Emirates, but he, he, he to me, he's become more of a key figure and he's a lot more prominent. And his relationship with Saka is exceptional. You mentioned Mozini being in the team that the, the transition of play where he plays and picks up the ball. Um, but Erdegaard, yeah, a, another goal, Tom. Um, great strike, by the way. He had a sighter early on in the game, but um, I, yeah. I, I, I find it a bit, I find it difficult now for, uh, he's been at the club long enough, Tom, right? Erdegaard, I find it, I'd find it a, a, a bit difficult to understand any Arsenal fans that are still out there, because they do exist on the platform, um, mm. <laughs> who have their... How can I put it nicely, Tom, with the word I'm going to use? Doubts? Uh, yeah, no, better than that. So reservations about Captain okay. Yeah, so um, please tell me your reservations, because when he puts in a performance like that and scores, um, he bagged the brace against Bournemouth, I believe, as well. Got a goal against Wolves away, is it, as well? Did he score against yeah. Did he score yeah. both against Wolves? Yeah. 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 Well, did, yeah. even better, Tom. I'm glad you corrected me, Tom. But no, um, 
listen, he's been a contributor in many ways other than just being the exceptional talent who picks a through ball. He's, he's, his leadership on the pitch has been exceptional. I'm glad he got a goal today. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, look, when it comes to criticisms of players, people don't like to be wrong. I don't no. like to be wrong. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's it's not a nice moment when you have to hold your hands up and say you got something wrong. But to be honest, when it's for the benefit of the club, it should be pretty darn easy to do it. You know, and Martin Odegaard, I think, has proven his doubters very wrong indeed. Um, John, I, I want to come to you on the uh, the, the post-match incident, uh, of course, mm. involving Aaron Ramsdale, Richarlison, uh, a Tottenham fan as well. Um it was, there's there's two things I want to talk about. The first thing, obviously, is the internet itself. The mm-hmm. second one, I'm reluctant to talk about because I don't really want to give this guy too much airtime at all. I don't know if you've seen Richard Keyes' post video. In which was it the t- one where he said it, it was Arteta's fault, everything? Yeah, where he points <laughs> the finger at Arteta for what happened. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I get that it's for engagement. I get it's to, to rile people up. I, I understand he's probably also, at this point, dreaming about Arteta's demise at some stage because he can't get him out of his head and lives there rent-free. But what did you make of the, the chaotic scenes we saw at the end of the game? Uh, well, first of all, Richard Keyes is the last person that should be talking about anything related <laughs> to football or, or pretty much anything related to how you should act reasonably, ethically, and morally. So yes, first of all, as a human that's, being, <laughs> that's, the, that's the first thing I'm yeah. going to say about that. All right. Se- uh, second of all, um, listen, you know, emotions are high. You know, I, I get it. Richarlison is a is a is an emotional guy. Ramsdale is, if anything, a guy that can get under your skin, which I love about him. We all love about him. Um, but that's part of the game, right? There's like a level. Um, and I don't think you put, you can you should be able to put your hands on another player, right? So when he did that, I think that crossed the line. I, I don't think it's like this end of the world scenario you know um it is a a physical game and everything like that obviously this is outside the bounds of what is acceptable within the rules of the game and there should be some kind of repercussions for it um and you know which means there probably won't be right but there should be because i think the next aspect of it what would happen with that fan and i agree with you not wanting to give him too much airtime is going to kind of dictate the, the narrative because that was just so unacceptable what happened um and you know, it, and when I say unacceptable, I mean, it's a crime, right? So uh, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't just kick people. I, I can't believe we have to like say that nowadays, but it's, it's a reality. And, um, you know, Spurs put out a statement that uh, about it. I don't know if you read the statement that they put out yeah. when, it, when it said he almost attacked. No, no, no. He didn't almost attack him. Mm-hmm. He kicked him. There's another angle where you see he actually kicked Ramsdale. So, um, I mean, Clearly, that player should be banned for the from. He should never be able to come into a Premier League stadium ever again. And I think the fan, it, not the player, the fan. Well, yeah. a Ramsdale should be in there. Yeah, no, but the fan should not be in there ever again. Yeah, and, of course. And I think whoever's that kid's parents is should take him aside and really say, "Hey," or you know, whoever's guardians are should take him aside and and, and really have a stern talking to because that that's not, that's unacceptable and that's not how you behave in a civilized uh, way. I don't care how emotional a game is. I mean, you committed a crime, so that's the end of the day. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, it was silly enough to to be completely uncovered. Uh, not that you should be doing things covered up, of course, but it should make him um, as relatively identifiable as possible. Um, so hopefully, there will be some 
um, consequences for that. Uh, Arteta didn't want to talk about after the game. Don't blame him. You know, focus kept on the win, which is important. Um, it's part of me that thinks maybe hopefully that there would be more said about it. Um, we're still obviously awaiting the the uh, extra second half, the the press conference yeah. that will come out tomorrow as well. There might be something mentioned there. Conte kind of glossed over it a bit as well, just said it's not what we're about and we need to be respectful and you have to respect the opponents and stuff like that because we want that same behaviour shown towards us, which I thought was good. But uh, in a week in which Arsenal have received two FA charges for misconduct and the failure to control players, when Richarlison went up to Ramsdale, as he did, putting his hand in his face, uh, there was also the incident, I think, where you saw about four or five Spurs players around Craig Pawson at one moment. Unfortunately, the FA have set the bar so low now with what they did with Arsenal in the Oxford game that we have a genuine argument every time. I saw it in the Fulham Newcastle game. I think we saw it that people sending me images of the Chelsea game. It happens all the time. Go on, John. Every single game. I I I'm not I can't think of a, a game where there isn't some situation where the players are trying to influence the ref, ref in one way. That's part of the game. If you ever played any competitive sport like rugby, football, it doesn't matter what sport it is, you know, mm. there's going to be arguing with the ref. So like why are we getting treated differently and it's not it's not like it's not a conspiracy theory it's right there it's like it's, mm-hmm. I, I, whatever man it's i i've given up on the fba they're nonsense. <laughs> haven't we all haven't we all indeed um let's let's talk about the wider context bailey of what this means because obviously this win puts us eight points clear of manchester city who lost themselves to manchester united i believe now this is the first time that a lot of bookmakers have put arsenal as favorites for the title i often like to check 538's um premier league algorithms and their predictions after we drew against uh newcastle they actually returned uh, manchester city to the top of their predictions but after today's game arsenal now are clear as favorites for the premier league 55 percent chance they have them down as winning uh with man city at 36 percent. they actually have man united with a five percent chance now of winning after their victory against man city which is a lot more than less than one which is what it was a couple of weeks ago so it shows you how quickly things can change how are you viewing arsenal as title challengers now it's it's, I think it's impossible not, not to view us as, as title challenges. We're about to hit the halfway, halfway mark, being eight mm. points clear at the top. I think the only doubt is people look at our past and that is the reason why we're being doubted. If it was Manchester City, eight points clear. If it was Liverpool, eight points clear. Even if it was Tottenham, eight points clear. I don't think there'll be as many questions. And I saw uh, Gary Neville's interview after the game and he still believes that Manchester City will win the league and Manchester United will finish second. Was he of, doing this when he said that? Was he saying, I think Man City will win the league, crossing yeah. his fingers? Yeah, and in words in that, I want Arsenal to win the league, but in reality, we know you don't. We know you don't yeah. know. But I think it's unfair now not to class Arsenal as, as title challenges. I think it would be unfair. I think the game against Manchester United will be major. I think if we win that, then it's, it's, it's set in stone. I think it's impossible not to say we are title challenges. But the game against Tottenham, winning away from home in the North London derby, which is very rare for both sides, I think that really did secure Arsenal's status in the league and their dominance in the league as well. We've gone to many away grounds this season. We've won. We're looking solid. Every game we're playing well, we're not getting... It's not really been flukes and... It'll be unfair now not to not to class us as tower challenges. I think that is set in stone. Yes. Uh, look, at the end of the day, I can't believe that after all of the people that have said things like, oh, well, we can't put Arsenal as challengers yet. As soon as United got that win over City, people started talking about United yeah. as potential title challengers. And it just kind of shows you the difference in perception. And I don't care because the longer they write us off, the better it is for us. You know, it keeps the pressure off us. We don't need to talk about Arsenal being title challengers as much as 
we clearly know that they are at this stage. But yeah, just keep the pressure on everybody else. We we will take this. We will take being mm. underdogs all day long because it makes our job that much easier. Uh, Albert, on, on the title and the challenge at hand, Bailey's mentioned there the game against Manchester United coming up next. Paul Merson said before the game against Spurs that that will be a tougher test playing at home against Man United than away to Spurs. Do you agree with him on that? I actually do agree with Magic Mercer mm. once, to be honest, Tom. I do. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's funny because if you look at the, obviously when Ten Hag took over and, you know, if we played United a few months ago, it might be a different type of game. But obviously we're, they picked up momentum. I think they've won, is it nine on the bounce or something like that, Tom? Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're, they're flying high. Um, but yeah, Paul Merson was spot on. He was because um, Tottenham have, have been... Yeah, the games I've seen them play, Tom, they've been poor. I mean, they've been very fortunate to get some of the results they've got this season. But yeah, United's going to be tough, man. Definitely going to be tough. Um, got them playing really, really well. Um, Rashford's on fire, uh, which I wish I which was which is he's a completely different player 12 18 months ago. So the, the change is phenomenal. Um, but Tom, I'm confident going into that game. It's gonna be tough, it's gonna be tough, but. Mm. The way we're playing at the moment, this is this is a this is a different Arsenal. I, I, and some of these rival fans need to get it in their heads. This is a different Arsenal team. There's resilience. There's guts. There's a, there's a there's a nasty streak to us a, a little bit as well. Um, we've got you know we're not very liked uh, to be fair. No, that's a good thing. Yeah, but um, yeah, this is a different different Arsenal side. You, you know what it is, Tom? There's sort of moments throughout the season um for example when we played Liverpool I, I I think a lot of Liverpool fans particularly and a lot of um fans of other clubs thought Arsenal's on a good run but Liverpool will take care of business as usual so when we beat them they're like oh so then we got we played Tottenham away we haven't won there in almost 10 years you know Arsenal got a poor record there different Arsenal side our way our, like our waveform is exceptional mm-hmm. um if someone had told me what we would have had the way from we've had this season two years ago and said, nah, do me a favor, we need to get in a 10 10 players come in the transfer windows over summer and and January. But it's it's a different arsenal. Um the atmosphere at the ground, Tom, as you you testify to, um there's a buzz and we've not had it for a long time. So it's 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 an unusual feeling for Arsenal fans that are 21 plus VAT like myself or Tom knows. Um <laughs> we, we we've seen Arsenal win league titles, but to come back to this sort of kind of talk and book his favourites and so be it. Because Tom, another thing just for finish up, if a certain team who played in Sky, who plays in Sky Blue had put in that first half performance today, mm. front page newspapers are the back page. But because it's Arsenal, oh. we'll get the credit. We'll get the credit. <laughs> we will get the credit, but not as much as a certain other team if they played that well. So give mm. us the credit, people, because we deserve it. Or maybe even our opponents, if they'd have played that well today, they would have been plastered all over the newspapers, the media darlings that they are indeed. Um, I was a little bit guided to say that Kane didn't score in the weirdest sadistic way possible because I kind of wanted him to break, get that record in a game that Spurs lost. Now, that would have been gloriously magical. But uh, He might just still do that, by the way. So <laughs> True, it can still happen indeed. At the hands of Arsenal, not. But uh, yeah, yeah. maybe Man City will have to see. That said... 
I mean, raise your hand if you're not going to be supporting Spurs when they play Man City next week. And by supporting, I mean just wanting them to win that game. It's tough one, isn't it? It's very tough A draw would be good. It's very, yeah. A draw is, I think, it's what you shamelessly are going to be wanting because it's it benefits us because it means we're not shamelessly wanting Spurs to win. But I think it is the only situation in the world where you really do want Spurs to to pick up a win as an Arsenal mm. fan is if it's going to help you in the, in a potential title fight. I, I tell you what though, I'd hate to be a Spurs fan next week because they might you imagine the the what's the word the conflict that they have. Like if they win, of course they need to win because they need to get back towards those Champions League places. If they lose, they've got teams like Brighton, you know, coming up their tail. They've got Liverpool of course look dire as do Chelsea, but they're still going to be up there come the end of the season I'm sure Fulham have looked fantastic this season Newcastle don't look like they're slowing down at all so yeah I would not want to be a Spurs fan thinking oh we need to win but if we beat City or get a point against them we are basically handing Arsenal such an advantage in the title race it must be horrific being a Spurs fan anyway but even next week it must be even worse um <laughs> John I, I wanted to, to to ask you a question surrounding the idea of you remember that saying of Arsenal are two players away from the title uh, that we used to say like 10 for like 10 to 15 years. We used to say Arsenal are two. <laughs> were we wrong. And when I say that, I mean, we always kind of put the, the difference between Arsenal potentially winning a title around, you know, signing two world class players. Now, I think Arsenal have got a group where they've got players that are, you know, burgeoning on world class. You know, your players like Saka, your Erdegaard, your Martinelli's players that I don't think I put into the category yet of Mbappe and, you know, the Messi in his day and Luka Modric, you know, players that I think are established world class players. I think they are players that are burgeoning on that. You know, and are still, you know, a title away or a Champions League or something like that, just to get that credibility in their tank. Not that they aren't credible enough already, but were we wrong when we used to say we're two players away? Because I feel like, if anything, what we were away from was a united squad with a manager like Arteta that's got this idea of what he wants and can deliver it with the players that he has, rather than us always going with that player away from being the best of the best. Yeah, I mean, you can't look. It's hard to look at a season where the season where uh, like Leicester won the league, for example, and think that if we had just in January had dealt with some um, of some injury issues. I know, like 2015, Alexis Sanchez gets injured right before January. We're 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 going in really strong in December, um, you, you know, and then Giroud kind of forgets how to score for like 15 games in a row. And then um, it's hard to not look at that and think maybe if we had strengthened a little bit, it would have. Um, I, done good for us in terms of a title race it's also hard for me to look at seasons where we didn't have a defensive midfielder and yeah. and, and i just think if we had thomas party in that a thomas party in that team sure you, you know we could have at least made a push for the title um better than we did so i think there's something to this notion that we were maybe a couple of signings away but i think once the the wenger project started to deteriorate and once it became apparent that like whatever he was doing wasn't exactly working very much, and and there's a bunch of different reasons for that that have nothing to do with Wenger, I think, by the way. But um, mm. once we were able to kind of solidify our ownership, once we were able to kind of get everyone on the same page, once we were able to get, like you said, uh, a manager who has the team playing the way they're supposed to be playing, you have the fans that are behind everyone 100%. You have these players that are really playing for the badge and that, you know, it's a breath of fresh air for everyone, easy to get behind. I think it's it's all become kind of a 
like a perfect storm of of things that needed to have happened right uh, in order to be in the position that we're in right now. I don't think it's one or two other things. So to go back to your question, maybe it was a little short-sighted or a little bit, you know, romantic to think maybe we're just two signings away. Maybe there was something more that needed to happen. Um, I, I don't know there's if, there, if I can answer that. All I can mm -hmm. say is that it seems to be all coming together in the right way and at a perfect time for us. And, you know, it, it's just when you look at what Arteta's done, considering this is his first job as a manager, right? We're, I'm not talking about assistant manager or anything like that. It's really, it is amazing. It is amazing. And, and I, I'm, I'm still in awe every time I see us win like that. And I see the people talking about us being uh, uh, title contenders and think about how far we've come with him, you know, from the uncertainty of, 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 Unai Emery, as good as he was at, at times and as bad as he was at times, and the uncertainty posed of anger, to be able to say, like, we have such a bright future right now. And, and it's not one that's, like, precarious, because that's the thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think uh, it, it was mentioned earlier. Uh, we're, we're not ready yet as Arsenal fans to kind of believe 100% because, you know, we're going to get our soul crushed, maybe. And I feel like that's become less of a chance. And, and every game I see us play, it's smaller and smaller of a chance. Mm -hmm. And that could change, obviously. But, you know, I'm taking game by game just like the players are. So are we We're training by training, Arteta says. we got to do now. Training by training session. <laughs> Not even game by game. Yeah, we're going to get soon. It's just going to be like, you know, hour by hour, guys. Yeah. Just taking this, you know. Um, but, yeah, I yeah. think it's an interesting question. And, and I, I don't know if you can answer it right. But I, I'm more inclined towards your second uh, your second characterization of it, that it was this kind of totality of things that had to happen correctly, um, which is what we're seeing now. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think it's, there was a big obsession, I think, around Liverpool's model of signing Alisson and Van Dijk and, you know, seeing them sign those two and then go and win the title in the Champions League. And that obviously makes you think, well, you know, if we would do that sort of thing. But you look at where we are now. Yes, Jesus has been big. Yes, Inchenko has been big. But they've not... I don't look at them as the, the, you know, standouts amongst everybody. Jesus has stood out in certain ways for sure, but in his absence and without his goals, even when he was there, you know, we still found ways to win the game because of Saka, because of Martinelli, because of Erdogan, because of Xhaka, because of the defensive performances of, the, of who's in the back five, you know. So it's all of those things. And it's always, I think, been more about the team than adding one or two. Now, now it's about obviously adding to the squad and having competitive options. And I'm sure we'll get onto transfers before we wrap up inevitably. But yeah, it's it's critical that we make sure that we've got kind of this idea that it's about the collective rather than it is adding the one or two, I think, to this team. The closest comparisons to Arteta for me right now are, you know, obviously Guardiola for the obvious ones and the other ones Zidane because both of them took a first job at the top level, at a top elite side, Real Madrid for Zidane and Barcelona for, for Guardiola. The difference between those two is they both managed at a youth team level before, whereas Arteta was just an assistant to, to Guardiola. And obviously Guardiola won uh, with Barca B. He won the uh, the second, third tier, I think, in Spanish football with, with Barca B. Um, and then, of course, Real Madrid's Castilla side never did amazing things, but Zidane did really well there and obviously came into that uh, Real Madrid team and won several Champions Leagues. And, and now the comparison will be if Arteta manages to win a Premier League this season, that those types of comparisons will certainly come to the fore. And, and the question around kind of that elite group of managers, I remember having a chat with Josh Williams uh, on the Arsenal Way about this, is that you look at the elite group of managers and it's really... Uh, Klopp, Guardiola, and he included Conte, ironically, in there, which right now it's, it's difficult. But you could understand maybe at the time before he joined Spurs why you would have put him in there. 
Uh, and beyond that, maybe Angelotti, of course, I think. But even then, the Everton job was, was quite a challenging one for him, even still. And if Varteta wins the Premier League, it's difficult not to start talking about him in those circles. Yes, it's one big trophy, and these guys have won loads. But it's difficult to say that he's not going to be talked about in that bracket of top coaches if Arsenal managed to pull that off this season. Um, we are going to move to questions for the final part and 20 minutes of today's show. Um Marcus is asking a question specifically for you, Bailey. Uh, and Marcus, of course, has joined us regularly in our Arsenal Way chat. He's very familiar with Bailey's antics and our, our antics, that's for sure. I've had a few questions from Marcus at Bailey and Morning Show saying, what, what does Bailey think we should do in the market about our Should we finally jump for him? Uh, <laughs> maybe we'll get your thoughts on that. But he says, realistically, how do we sign? Uh, how do we sign and how confidently... Oh, I think, he, who do we sign? I've read that completely wrong. Who do we sign and how confident are you uh, we don't do well in these January windows. Well, I think it goes out saying to you, if you go straight in for uh, Hussein Maura from... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. I don't think he is the required signing, unfortunately. Oh, uh, have you finally uh, finally changed your mind? There's, no, there's always a summer transfer window and there's always time for Arrow to prove himself in the last it's month of the season. But for now, I think uh, we should sway away from, from Hussein, unfortunately, but we'll, we'll get back there, I'm sure. But I think it goes out saying, I think we do need a winger. I think after losing Mudrick, for me, I've got a four-man shortlist. Um, a three-man realistic shortlist, but a four-man mm. shortlist. I think my dream signing would be a Rafael form from AC Milan, but I just don't think that would happen yeah. in January. But then you do have Rafinha. I'll also go for maybe a Wilfred Sahar. And I'm also looking at a Musa Diaby, who, are, who I think is an, an, a quality player as well. Mm. My only issue with Rafinha, Rafinha will of course be the clear. And Leandro Trossard. I can't forget about Trossard either. But... Does the, the things going on at the moment Brighton not worry you with that? I yeah, think. I don't think I, it I don't know how to feel about it. Yeah, I don't I feel like we have the full picture, to be honest. I do agree with you. I think we have to know, we have to learn more. Because I know Arteta wouldn't stand for for any such thing. We mm. saw Gwendouzi or Bamiyang, of course, Ozil, if you do go against the grain, it doesn't work out well for you at the club. So Trossard doing that at Brighton, it doesn't really bode well. But just going back to Rafinha, I do want him in the club, but my ego is getting in the way because I know he did choose Barcelona and potentially Chelsea in the summer. Do we bite the bullet and just bring in Rafinha? I think it is a business type of organisation. So we do. I would, I would not be against uh, bringing in Rafinha, but of course, Wilfred Zahar is also there available. Again, we're not bringing in a player, a winger to start. We're bringing in a player who can make an immediate impact from the bench for, aside from Martinelli and Saka, of course. I don't think Wilfred Zahar would be a bad option. And Musa Diaby, I know we're interested in, in him in the summer. It would be a costly deal, but I do think he would be long-term. He would be an mm. excellent signing. Similar to Mudrik, but I think he's even more proven than Mudrik, just that Mudrik had the highest ceiling um, in his in the 60 games they did play. But I think Musa Diaby would be a, a great option. That would be my choice if I had to choose between the three players. Mm. No, fair enough. It's a good shortlist. Uh, I think Arsenal absolutely need to be looking at, at wide players. Liao's an interesting one because he's one of those where I feel like if you went in with a really big bid and a good contract offer... I think he might be tempted. He's, I think, remember he did that interview where he spoke about Arsenal, didn't he? So it'd be interesting to see if we did tempt uh, AC Milan uh, and and uh, Leal with a potential move. Um, let's go to Albert with this question from Sean. Uh, who else is looking forward to watching the turmoil of Chelsea trying to offload their bloated wage earners with the same leverage we had with Mustafi and Kalasnach? What do you make of Chelsea's kind of mad business in the window? Oh, Tom, I took a back seat when I saw that that tweet coming through from David. I went out for dinner and turned my phone off. I was like, I'm not having this. (laughs) I'm just not doing it. (laughs) Uh, I think someone's touched on it earlier. And I, 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 Tom, I, I don't really... The, the January transfer window of Arsenal is not really a good relationship with, with any Arsenal fan, to be honest with you, because mm. um, he's never great. 
Um, my my ink is is permanently dry on the paper because I'm not going to come up with any names because I just want I just won't do it, Tom. To be honest, but um, as for Chelsea, yeah, I, I think Tom. To put it back to you in a way, I'll I'll answer the question with the with the Mudrick thing, right? Um, was that a case where Chelsea were that was someone that they clearly clearly identified, or they just took, or they just went and gunned down the deal because Arsenal were in the running for matter, it? Mate, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Um. I mean, what I'd say to Arsenal fans with that, with the Mudrick thing, yes, he's a promising player and he's not had too many games of football in his career so far and a great talent, but I think it, it, highlight, it, it, brought, it highlights something to me what Mikel Arteta said to Ian Wright in the Adidas interview during COVID. Um, and he mentioned, I can't remember the exact words, Tom, because it's too long ago and my memory's mm. not that good, but it, it basically the moral of the story was if, if, you, if you have to convince players to come to Arsenal, it's absolutely a non-starter, yeah. and for me, I take that approach. I don't, you know, you'll never see me tweeting or losing my head that we didn't get him or someone else from previous years before. If they don't come to Arsenal, they come to Arsenal. What I'm hoping is that Arsenal have a plan B and a plan C, because these guys are, you know, they have guys on board in the hierarchy that that should be looking at these things. So, but in relation to that question, um, I, I can't, I don't get it, Tom. I don't get it. I don't get the Felix guy into there, guy in there. I don't get Mudrik guy in there. I just don't get it at all. I really don't understand it. I, I've had a lot of time to reflect on the Mudrik kind of situation, and I really don't believe that he wanted to to really go there. No, I think that he's been, I think, strong armed into that move. Um, I think that Shakhtar have basically said we can't say no to this, and we really need this deal. And maybe he would have preferred to wait into the summer. Uh, it was obvious how much he wanted Arsenal. Like he could, he couldn't have made it any clearer yeah. if he tried yeah. that he wanted to move yeah. to Arsenal. That's a mad thing. And it's I, I don't like people comparing this window to last window because last time mm. we made the mistake of going too long into a window with a player that didn't care for us in Vlaovic, didn't want to move, and yet we really did kind of hang on the hope that he might. With Mudrick, we we agreed a deal weeks ago <laughs> with Mudrick that he was more than happy to come to Arsenal. But what we wouldn't and what we wouldn't compromise on is our valuation of the player. And for Shakhtar, they would have been buzzing yesterday when they got that call from Chelsea to say that they were coming to, to meet their valuation. Chelsea are a, a menace in the market and unfortunately are along with a number of other teams, not just in this country, but beyond, of just inflating the prices of players ridiculously beyond what they're actually worth. And unfortunately, that makes it very difficult for us to, to do it. That's why I asked Arteta in the press conference a couple of weeks ago about the difficulty of, of getting valuations of players. He turned around then and said players move where they want to go. And if I speak to him again in a future press conference, I'd be keen to ask if he thinks now he was wrong about that because of what happened. Um, but I still think it is, unfortunately, a lot to do with the financial uh, mm. demands that clubs can have because someone was willing to pay that 100 million euros. <laughs> and, and if they weren't, I think Arsenal would have ended up getting him because Chelsea exists. I, th I reckon if Chelsea have got Enzo Fernandez, they probably wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Um, but uh, when they didn't get him, uh, and I tell you what, I've spoken to a load of Chelsea fans who are, are really at ends and are odds with what they've done because they desperately need a midfielder. And yet, for some reason, they brought in their 37th winger of their squad. So, 
Uh, I, I don't know. I, I tell you, I do feel sorry. Well, I don't really feel sorry for him because he left us. But Amari Hutchinson must be looking at his who's in front of him now and going, yeah, "Why no. did I move?" Because <laughs> yeah. he would have been behind Saka next season if we hadn't, if we don't sign any right winger. He would have been behind Saka. Genuinely believe he's that good that he could have done that. But uh, yeah, how funny now things are. Um, Ethan, who is our brand new member, uh, John says, Eddie has looked exhausted towards the end of matches in the last few games. He can't do it on his own at the moment. Surely he needs support. Um, it, when when you say can't do it on his own, needs support, are we talking about goals from other like no, sides think, in midfield? Or is he talking about like a signing like to back him yeah, up? Yeah, I think he is. Striking? I think he means like we, at the moment we've not really got anyone to take off and right. like, to bring on right. for him at the moment right. to give him those reps. It's true. So it's really a question of how long we're willing to roll the dice for G for uh, Gabriel Jesus to come back, right? Because mm. you know, first of all, it's there's going to be some kind of a downtime for him. He's going to need to adapt again. Um, maybe not though. I mean, look at Zinchenko who comes back from injury and he's in the starting lineup, you know, uh, against a big away side. So maybe let me say let me start this way. Um, I agree. I think that he's look less effective, more tired. Looks like he's making mistakes towards the end of the match. You know, he gave away a, a kick that led to them having possession and twice, I think it was in the second half. So um, what, what he's done, stepping up and and doing what he's done the last couple games that he's had the opportunity to do has been great. So I don't want to take anything away from Eddie by saying that he's maybe tired. You know, this is you know, a title race is not something that's that's easy physically to do or mentally or emotionally. So I guess to answer the question, I mean, it wouldn't hurt, right, to get some support for him, to have an option off the bench or to come up with some strategic way within the squad, uh, whether you bring ESR on the left, uh, Smith Rowe, and then put, you know, Martinelli up top or however Arteta comes up with a way to do it. I trust him to figure it out farther than any way I could come up with. Um, he sees the players. <laughs> and, and, you know, in training, if he thinks there's a way of doing it. But, yeah, I think that it would be good to get Eddie some some backup. Uh, you know, it's I agree with you. I think Eddie's done ev more than I could have asked, you know, at the moment. Yes, he could score a couple more goals, maybe. And he's had some chances that he's missed. But, you know, he scored a critical goal uh, against Brighton. You know, he's scored the goals against Oxford to help us progress. Um uh, did he score against Brighton? I'm, I'm sure he did. He scored against West Ham and Brighton, didn't he? Back to back, and then didn't score against Newcastle. He's had some so, great goals this season. Yeah, the goal he scored against Brighton in the League Cup game that we lost was a fantastic finish. Like, and if he can do that and get into those positions, it's I think it is his first touch and confidence at the moment that let him down today. Like the pass from Xhaka that he just kind of miscontrolled. If he if he puts himself through, I back him to, to hit one-on-one, -on -one, but he just put himself in a position that was very much favouring Lloris in that moment. But uh, he's running, his energy is pressing, he's dropping deep, he's linking play. He's a nightmare for the defenders because you're always trying to track where he is. He's got good speed, good reaction time as well. And he is clinical when he's put in those positions often. And I'll tell you what, I'd probably back him one-on-one -on -one more than I would Gabriel Jesus to finish a chance right now. But I tell you what, Gabriel Jesus, when he comes back, the fact that we're doing what we're doing and we've still got him to come back is so great. It's such a great thing to have right now. Speaking of players coming back, uh, Saswats in the chat says, Bailey, is recalling any of our high-performing loanies a feasible option if we fail to sign anyone? I understand there's uh, club things like club relations and stuff, but there's de desperate times call for desperate measures. So, Bailey, obviously, the, the players that we could call upon are, first of all, Nicolas Pepe, who is at Nice on loan. You've got Foller and Balogun, who's at Orms on loan as well. And you've got uh, Charlie Patino in a midfield sense, who's on loan. 
uh, at Blackpool. They're the kind of the three main ones that I look to. I don't necessarily look to Austin Trusty as someone that we need to bring back in defence at the moment. Uh, I don't look to Nuno Tavares and think we would look to bring him back at the moment. But they're the three that are being talked about. Pepe less so, but Balogun and Patino are the main two. So what do you think? Yeah, I'd say no to, to all three options. I think we send them out loan, on loan at the start of the season for a reason. They're there to mm. develop. You saw Balogun had a spell in the after side where he wasn't quite ready. Now, do you want to stunt his development by bringing him back to be a backup once again? Mm. Or do you want to think long-term rather than short-term? And I think it's an option we should not utilise. Balogun's having a season of his life and with, with Ram, so I think we should let him continue that because by, by, the, by the time the, the next season comes, he could be a much more ready player or we could use him as an asset and sign him for much more much more money, uh, sell him for much more money, should I say. And it's the same for Charlie Bettina. I don't think Charlie Bettina was ready yet. I think they need to do a full season. You can't just break a player's development to bring him back into the squad. There's no saying that he's re- they're even ready for, for Premier League football yet. I don't think it's good to, to, to take that risk. We have players like El Nene and Samuel Conga at the moment who I think could even be still more of a use than a player like Charlie Bettino. Let him develop, let them finish their, their seasons and then come back in pre-season where you can really judge if they're ready or not. Because if you make one bad decision with the youngsters, sometimes it's hard for them to get back onto the back onto the route they were doing. And with Nicola Pepe, I think it also, again, once again, no. I think we need to uh, try to, once again, generate the most revenue we can from him, the most money we can from him. And if he's coming to be a backup, we can't really sell him because he's not playing. So he's going to be a backup. It's not great. So again, we've sold him. We've put him out on loan for a reason. Let them finish their finish their stunts away from the club and then come back. Or just please, just sign a player in the window. Let's not get to this conversation of even needing to discuss yeah. to bring in, uh, to uh, recall somebody from their loan. So let's let's say we're in the last hour of the transfer window and we've not signed anyone and we're not going to sign anyone. You'd still just keep them all where they are. If I had to choose one player, it would be Nicola Pepe. I would not bring back Balogun or Patino simply because I'm thinking long-term and I'm thinking of their futures and their development. I think bringing them back now too soon will, could, could stunt that and I would not do that. I think with Pepe, I'd take that risk and, and bring him back. But it's still a no for me. Still a no yeah. for me. Yeah, I, I, I think you make a good point about Pepe. Pepe's not really someone I've really considered, um, to be honest, just because I'm kind of checked out on Pepe, to be honest, uh, as I know a lot of fans have, to be fair. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's it's, a, it's an interesting option. Uh, Zizi, thank you so much for the um, uh, donation. News, Justin, Ramsdale is to receive an FA charge for assaulting a Spurs fan's foot with his back. Uh, fantastic stuff. Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, it would. you wouldn't be surprised, would you? Um, Chris P, thank you so much as well. Business plan for Clive from the Arsenal Vision podcast. Do an ASMR recording of AFC fans. Five seconds. Arsenal are Premier League favourites. Spurs fans, mic drop. No need to work again. Maybe something to, to drop Clive. I love that I'm getting money for advice to Clive. Like, <laughs> I feel like they should be dropped. You can always subscribe to the Visions Patreon, uh, Chris, but, you know, I appreciate it. Um, let's let's jump into the chat box and get another couple of questions before we wrap up. Let's go to Freddie, uh, who says, Albert, Tom, I am. Uh, I am. Is it the game this evening? And I saw what happened with the fan in Ramsdale. It was shocking. And the fan came rushing, answering directly in front of me. And I was silently shocked. It's not really a question, Freddie. um, But I think we were all equally shocked with what happened. Uh, Bradley, let's throw this one to you, uh, Albert. Uh, With the injury to El Nenny, I think Arsenal need to stop delaying the inevitable and bring back Patino. Can instantly put him in the squad and he can cover 6-8. I didn't get, obviously, your thoughts on, on the loan side of things. So touch on that, but also your feelings on reinforcing the midfield and how confident you are or not about that position being reinforced? Tom, I'm never confident about the centre midfield position at Arsenal. Mm. That's the case for years. 
Um, it's kind of what Bale was said about the players. You, you, when you send them out on loan, there's there's obviously a reason for that because they're not ready um, for the first team or maybe they're not confident in, in terms of them bringing something to the first team ASAP. So I wouldn't bring any of them back. Um, what, what I would say in regards to the, the any transfers potentially coming in, no one saw the Fabio Vieira one coming. If anyone did see it coming, then they're lying. That, that, that's straight up. So... We're what 16 days in, Tom. Yeah, um, mm. when do I start panicking as an Arsenal fan? Um, now, maybe, yeah, <laughs> I would be, I would Two be, months a, ago. Yeah, 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 I would yeah. be, yeah, we're, we're halfway through now. It's gonna, it's the, the end of the month's gonna come as quick as that. So, I said we'd get two players in, in the January transfer window. Um, I even with that, Tom, I'm, I'm twitching a little bit, so I'm not sure. Mm. Um, if Arsenal have got something up their sleeve. Don't wait. Could we see some action now? So um, it, it's important, Tom, we need to strengthen. Listen, I said it'd be lunacy if Arsenal finding themselves in the position that they are now, um, a few games ago, where how many weeks ago, if they don't position from, if they don't strengthen from a position of strength. To make the same mistake once is crazy. To do it the second time would be utter madness. So Edu, Arteta, whoever is the Arsenal, please just... Do something because it, it's needs must. In the, in I'm the here world. on my knees. Yeah, <laughs> make it happen, but yeah, um, it is. Uh, we are just sitting and waiting now. And when when I say sitting waiting, I mean getting our phones and just doing this and refreshing Twitter every Tom, five Tom, seconds. Tom, Tom, where are you? Like in sort of a scale of one to ten of, are you are you at the panic stations yet? Or yeah, you, like okay, mm-hmm. yeah, the, yeah, I am. That, I, yeah. I, I am, and I'll, John, I'll ask you on this as well in a second. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I am on, I am panicking because yeah. I'm. I don't think I would be if we were going for top four, yeah. and I'd just be like, we need to be patient. You know, let's just see what happens between now and the end of the window. But because of the opportunity that we have, I'm so scared of us wasting what what we could have this January. And this morning I did the phone-in show and and we had some really good guests on. And yes, I'd say that 90% agreed with where I was at with Edu. But a couple of people came on and had their their views. Uh, One of them, Kian, said this morning that he was... You know, his frustration was is that we feel like we've wasted time. And I certainly agree in the sense that I feel like we've wasted time. It feels like that. But ultimately, I I know why we did what we did is because we were so genuinely convinced that Madrid would be ending up at Arsenal, yeah. that we were willing to invest yeah. the time that we've done this window, which is, it sucks. It's just the reality of the situation that we've got gazumped by a, a, a stupid club. Um <laughs> <laughs> that's a very stupid. diplomatic way of saying that they are a stupid a club john <laughs> a very diplomatic reserved way with all my being <laughs> i just can't stand chelsea football club i really can't um but yeah look i, I am panicking because of the situation albert because of the opportunity mm. that's why i'm panicking a bit more and usually i would yeah be maybe more reserved and have more faith and more patience, but I'm just so scared of wasting this chance, this window. John, give me your your thoughts on this before we wrap up. Oh, if we waste our chance, this I mean, terrified if we do that. I I, I don't necessarily think we will. I Is think it sackable every- if we lose the league for Edu? No, no, but well, well, hold on. Because I've heard Pan say, I'm not saying that's where I sit. I'm asking it because I know that fans on. are asking. Okay, let me, that. let me, let me, let me. It depends, right? Because mm. if we go out and we actually make some signings and we just get unlucky, so I, I'm not mm. going to answer yes or no to that because it really depends on the manner mm-hmm. in which we go out, right? 
I'm um, asking because I know fans are asking that question. <laughs> fans asking are, that fans say a lot of things, okay? So I'm only I'm really concerned with like what in a realistic universe, like if we actually don't do anything and lose the league, hundred. I think yes. I think without a doubt, you, you know, if it's it's very obvious that the mid middle of the park is is extremely precarious. Okay, if we lose Thomas Pardee or Granite Jocker right now, probably less so Granite Jocker, more so Pardee. I don't think that we can effectuate the game plan that Arteta wants and play the way that's going to put us in a legitimate contention for the for the league anymore. All right. So, and with El Nenny injured, that's even more so the case. So, if we don't make any signings and we lose because Partey gets injured or something else happens and Partey can't play anymore, I don't think that that is something that is not not foreseeable and it would fall on 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 their on their shoulders. So, yeah. Again, I, I say I, I say I do because it can't fall on Arteta because Arteta couldn't say any more about wanting reinforcements and wanting yeah, yeah. us to not waste windows. You know, Arteta could not say or do more. It's not on him. He said the player that he wants. We've not been able to get him. I'm sure that they've talked about other potential targets they want. They tried to go for Rafinha. The information is that he has no interest in leaving Barcelona. So I don't think that's got a chance of happening. Um, the reason why I asked the question is because obviously a lot of people this morning were very angry of Edu and I can understand why they're angry. I'm not necessarily with them with their anger, but I understand why they're angry. And if you look at this window and the opportunity and say Arsenal don't sign any, don't sign a midfielder or don't sign a forward, and let's say Saka gets injured, touch wood, let's say Partey gets injured, touch wood, and that costs us, let's say we miss out on the title by a point, you know, in a game where we didn't have Saka or we didn't have Partey, that if we had them, we probably would have won. I mean, I look back to that Man United game early in the season. We didn't have Partey and we yeah. lost that game. And I feel as though if we had Partey, we probably wouldn't have lost that game. So that's why I'm thinking where pe- where I have to be a little bit more humble with my view of people that are probably towards the nth degree of, of, of the spectrum on this that are questioning Edu's legitimacy if we miss out on this window. We waste this window for the second year running and it costs us again. We'll see what happens. Uh, I really hope this has got a positive end to this window because it's a chance yeah. I don't think we can waste. It's going to be it's going to be a fun ride these next two weeks. You can follow all of the latest transfer news, of course, on our 8 a.m. morning shows. It's a joy to do those. It was this morning, genuine, even though it was a, a painful chat. It was great getting people's thoughts. So if you haven't listened to our phone-in show, it was an hour and 55 minutes worth of chat. So you can uh, you can go and listen to that if you like. It's uh, it's certainly worth it, and we've got, got a good feedback from it. Uh, we're going to wrap things up there. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. Do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you're new. Bailey, absolute pleasure to see you, my friend. Uh, you, of course, present your very own. Uh, I say present. You argue on another podcast a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I've tuned in for some of them, and boy, you get battered sometimes for your opinions. <laughs> Tell people where they can find you, my friend. Absolutely. It's great. Thank you for, for bringing me on, TC. And yeah, guys, you want to see me, as, as, as TC said, Tom said, get, I get battered because I'm the only Arsenal fan on the podcast. It's a, it's a bunch of us. It's four of us. And we all support different teams. So you can find us at YB. Uh, OFCL on Instagram and, and Twitter but if you want to find us on YouTube it is at your boy so you can search us there but again TC thank you as always mate for, for bringing me on as well no, absolute pleasure to have you back on my friend it's been too long hopefully it won't mm. be that long again um, Albert always a pleasure my friend yes Albert as, as you like to say <laughs> tell you there is nothing better when you open your phone and you've got a voice note from Albert that just says yes Tom <laughs> starts off every voice note the same way I love it <laughs> But thank you for joining me, my friends. Uh, I look forward to hopefully seeing you uh, maybe next week, potentially, uh, hopefully. 
if we sort out the deals, yes, uh, hopefully a lot yeah. of us are going to be meeting in London for some food because, of course, the boys from America are over. Sophie as well, I should say, is coming over as well. Yeah which is good. So, uh, yes, hopefully be able to get to see you, but give yourself a shout out and your channel as well, of course, mate. Tom, thanks for the invite. It's, it's not been that long, so I'll, I'll let you off. It's, it's fine. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> great to meet Bailey and uh, John. But yeah, um, Albert JT, we've got my own channel. Uh, Life stories will be coming back very soon. Uh, very, very nice content series that I like to do, not just Arsenal-based. So um, look out for that. And um, yeah, come and subscribe, people. I'm not too bad to listen to sometimes. <laughs> He's, he's brilliant. Go listen to him. Uh, you can find him at Albert J TV. Uh, and lastly, the host of the uh, Invisible Arsenal Miami podcast, <laughs> which has not been in circulation for some time because he's moved to Chicago and it's no longer uh, it's no longer valid. But uh, John, thank you so much for coming on. Absolute pleasure. Again, it's been too long and uh, and good to speak to you, my friend. So tell people where they can if they would like to find you. Yeah, you can find me at three hundred five cast. I'm yeah, the my Arsenal Miami podcast is a little weird if, since I'm in Chicago, so it's you know not something I've done in a long time, and you know I haven't had a lot of time to do much of else. But maybe I'll do if we win the league. I was going to say if, if we, we win, win the league, league you've got to do one. Sure, I got to do another one for old times. I mean, I was looking back. I, the, the first one I did was back in like 2014 or 15, so mm. it was a long time ago. So maybe. One more if we win the league. I think. So the last to. one was in 2016. That the first, the first one. The first one. Oh, sorry, the last one must be like 2020. Sure, on 2019 maybe. It's been it, a was, long time. it was. a while ago. I, I can tell yeah. you. I can tell you. I'll, I'll tweet it. <laughs> whilst 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 John's finding that, just a couple of super chats before we wrap up. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for the kind donation. I will be off my nuts if multiple teams, including Tottenham, don't get charges against them from the FA for the behaviour after this weekend. And Chris, again, thank you, pointing out what indeed Mudrick is is apparently earning a uh, hundred million pounds. Of course, not in terms of wages, I don't think, but that's obviously the fee. Uh, apparently, his wages are very heavily incentivised. I'm not surprised, considering he didn't want to play for him, so <laughs> they're going to need to. Be. Uh, have you found it, John? Do we know when it yeah. when the last one was? The last one I did was when Raul got fired. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. It's been a while. Uh, it's been a very, very long time. Just clearly not a fan of Arteta. That's uh <laughs> I was, I was so upset. I was so upset that we got rid of Raul that I had to couldn't had podcast to again. <laughs> that was the breaking point for John. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Chatbox, for tuning in. Thank you for all your questions. Sorry that we can get to all of them. I'll try and tackle more of them, of course, in the 8 a.m. show tomorrow. Uh, you can read, of course, all the Fallout winners and losers piece coming out tomorrow morning. Uh, you can check out Bailey's stuff, of course, written work at Football London as well. Uh, yeah. Go follow the guys. Go subscribe to their channels. Uh, I will see you again very, very soon. Tomorrow morning, as always. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there 
it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.